This is Appearance Matters, the podcast. The Appearance Psychology podcast brought to you by the Centre for Appearance Research, a world-leading research centre based at the University of the West of England in Bristol, investigating everything related to how we look. I'm Nadia. And I'm Jade. And welcome to our first episode in 2017, which is going to be all about body image and mindfulness. Yes, we're going to talk about what mindfulness is and how mindfulness can help with body image concerns. We're also going to give a couple of examples of mindfulness programmes, practices and exercises for you to try. Yes, we wanted to start 2017 with some body positive practices for you to try at home. And as always, we're going to be joined by some leading experts to help us. So for this episode, Cara's Dr Melissa Atkinson and Fabio Zucchelli. In recent years, the ancient Buddhist tradition of mindfulness has catapulted into the mainstream and has become a hot topic for self-help and well-being. Large organisations such as Google, Apple, the UK Department of Health and Transport for London have embraced mindfulness as part of their employee packages, claiming it leads to a happier and more productive workforce. Schools are also beginning to introduce mindfulness as a means to improve student concentration and well-being. Today, psychologists are increasingly using mindfulness-based therapies such as mindfulness-based stress reduction, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, and acceptance and commitment therapy for a broad range of difficulties including depression, anxiety, stress, and pain. Finally, mindfulness self-help books, guides, online courses, and resources, and even colouring books, are widely available, forming a growing and potentially very profitable industry. Yes, there are literally hundreds of mindfulness apps on iTunes. The new Apple iOS update even includes mindfulness on the iPhone's inbuilt health app, providing space for you to record your mindful minutes alongside your physical activity, nutrition and sleep. That reminds me, I need to record my mindfulness minutes. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So, a 2015 study by Manny and colleagues published in the Journal of Medical Internet Research sorted through hundreds of mindfulness mobile apps, ranking the top 23 based on a standardised tool designed for mobile health apps that rates aspects like ease of use, look, and overall satisfaction. The top three were found to be Headspace, Smiling Mind, and Eye Mindfulness. The Headspace app, which offers 10-minute guided meditations on your smartphone, has more than 3 million users worldwide and has an estimated worth of over £25 million. Okay, so let's define mindfulness. According to Oxford University's Mindfulness Centre, Mindfulness is the awareness that emerges through paying attention on purpose, in the present moment, with compassion and open-hearted curiosity. Right, and this practice of mindfulness is thought to enable people to change the relationship with their own experiences. For example, negative or distressing thoughts, feelings, sensations and urges. Research so far shows that mindfulness can help reduce stress and anxiety, improve physical health and quality of life, help with chronic pain and prevent reoccurring depressive episodes. Mindfulness can be thought as both a state or a trait, as well as a skill that can be developed through practice. Mindfulness practice often involves engaging in different meditation-based exercises to cultivate non-judgmental awareness and acceptance. Some of the most popular include breath awareness, so bringing attention to each breath, body scans, so bringing attention to different body parts from the toes up towards the head, passing thoughts and emotions, so noticing and letting go of thoughts and feelings, and a three-minute breathing exercise. So let's have Fabio, our colleague from the Centre for Appearance Research, who will take us through a version of this three-minute breathing exercise, 
Fabio is a research associate with a great interest in mindfulness and its application to body image and appearance related issues. Thanks Jade. Uh, so in a minute I'm going to talk you through the three minute breathing space meditation uh, which comes from mindfulness based cognitive therapy, an eight week program created by Mark Williams and colleagues and basically the three minute breathing space condenses into three minutes the, the core components of, of the course and the idea is that it can be applied any time of the day so it doesn't need to be a sort of formal meditation practice. And it just allows you to press pause for three minutes, so it can be particularly helpful when feeling any kind of extreme emotion. So you know, it could be stressed, angry, overwhelmed in any way. And it just allows you to sort of ground to the present moment and maybe recognise when thoughts might be spiralling out of control. And allows you to intervene when normally you might react in a habitual and possibly unhelpful way. And Obviously these thoughts and feelings may well relate to one's body or appearance. The breathing space does this by via three stages around a minute each. First of all becoming aware of internal experiences and then focusing one's attention on the breath and then opening the attention to the whole body. Um, okay, so here we go. Whether sitting or standing, deliberately changing posture so that it embodies being awake. Closing the eyes if possible. If not, just fixing the gaze on the spots on the ground in front of you. Now turning awareness to your internal experience, moment by moment. What thoughts are running through the mind? And as best you can, seeing the thoughts just as mental events that seem to just pop up by themselves. What emotions are here? Noticing any tendency to try and get rid of or change any feelings experienced as unpleasant. Just seeing the feelings as like weather passing through the sky. Sometimes gloomy, sometimes stormy, sometimes bright. Just watching the weather. What sensations are in the body? Again, noticing any tendency to try and alter or get rid of these. Acknowledging the sensations just as they are and allowing them to be. And now, narrowing the attention, honing the spotlight into the sensations of breath in the abdomen. Not changing or trying to control the breath in any way. Allowing it to breathe just as it does. Feeling the abdomen expand on the in-breath and contract on the out-breath. Noticing the subtly different sensations arise and pass throughout both the in-breath and the out-breath. And if the mind wanders, as it's prone to do, just acknowledging where it's gone and gently returning the attention back to the breath.
and now widening the spotlight attention to the whole body, as if the whole body was breathing. Becoming aware of your posture, facial expression, sensations on the extremities, on the skin, and inside the body. Being aware of all the sensations, just as they are, just as they change moment by moment. Noticing any discomfort, exploring those sensations, moving towards them with friendly curiosity, rather than pushing them away. Just being aware of the body. That was Fabio leading us through a guided three-minute breathing exercise. What did you think, Jade? How are you feeling? Hmm, very present in the moment. Excellent. Fabio's going to tell us about another exercise we can do later in this episode. Can't wait. Okay, so we have a good idea now of what mindfulness is, but how does it apply to body image? Let's hear from Dr Melissa Atkinson to find out. Mel is a research fellow here at CAR, specialising in body image and eating disorder prevention as well as being a trained clinical psychologist. Her PhD focused on the potential for mindfulness to improve body image. Hi Melissa, thanks for joining us. So first off, we will begin by asking, why do you think mindfulness could be a useful method for people experiencing body image concerns? Yeah, well, hi, Jade, and, and hi to the listeners. Uh, and this is a great question. And I guess there's, you know, I mean, there's lots of different ways you could, could answer this. But essentially, mindfulness has kind of been framed as a strategy for managing or relating to negative experiences or experiences that could be potentially distressing. And so for anybody who has experienced body image, or worked with people who experience body image concerns, you know that there's a range of negative experiences related to body image. So whether it's dissatisfaction with one's appearance or body shape or weight or unfavorable social comparisons um, or even kind of depression and anxiety related to, to one's appearance and body. So mindfulness, you know, is, is kind of well suited from that aspect. It, it teaches a different way of relating to kind of negative thoughts and feelings in a more adaptive way. Theoretically, there's there's the possibility of kind of two pathways for improvement. So one is by increasing um, somebody's adaptive responses to, to various triggers. So for instance, you know, when somebody is faced with the thin ideal in the media or finds themselves comparing themselves to somebody they've seen in the media or somebody that they know, so it can, it can reduce some of the more negative automatic responses to those experiences that are outside of their control. So that's the first step. But then secondly, it can kind of reduce the intensity and the impact of negative experiences if and when they do actually occur. So there's kind of potentially that two-pronged approach. Okay, that's great. Thanks. So what advantages does mindfulness have compared to other psychology-based methods tackling body dissatisfaction? <laughs> yeah, good question. 
Um, and, you know, as a, as a true researcher, I, I mean, I have to put the disclaimer out there that actually we don't have any evidence to suggest that it actually does have any advantages over other strategies at this point. What we can say is what we think the advantages might be. And essentially, mindfulness is an acceptance-based strategy rather than a change-based strategy. So I guess after the initial period of adopting a new technique, which can be effortful for anybody, you know, actually practicing in mindfulness means accepting things as and when they arise without trying to change it, avoid it, fixate on it. So as a byproduct, just by kind of observing in a calm and, and compassionate way, it can lead to a reduction in kind of potential distress without effortful changes on part of the person. So that potentially can be one advantage. It also has the potential for being applied to a range of concerns. So not just body image, but any kind of negative thoughts and feelings that might come up. So whether that's stresses of everyday life or it might be particular events that come up, you know, mindfulness can also be adapted across those situations. So that can be useful. One other great feature about mindfulness is it really helps somebody to kind of broaden their perspective on their experience in life. So you learn to pay attention to things other than just body image, for instance. Becoming aware of your full range of experience, both positive and negative, and everything in between. So I think what it can do is help to kind of reduce the importance that is placed on body image and appearance in somebody's kind of self-worth and the way they go about their lives, which is, again, potentially very useful. Thanks. That's a really helpful explanation. So what has the research shown regarding the effectiveness of using mindfulness to address body image concerns? Yeah, so I guess this is a field that is in infancy still. We're still in the process of kind of establishing mindfulness as a technique for body image. I mean, there have been a number of different approaches for treating eating disorders, so right at that extreme level. My particular area of interest is targeting body image specifically as prevention for eating disorders, but essentially it's for people who don't have a clinical level of concern but struggle with their appearance. So I've done a couple of different research studies now and I can you know, give you a little bit of insight on those. The first study we did was with young adult women and this was done as a face-to-face group intervention and this showed that using mindfulness over a three-week period reduced weight and shape concerns at the end of the program. However, unfortunately, it wasn't maintained over follow-up. So uh, and this was kind of directly related to the amount which they practiced mindfulness following the program, which is probably not surprising. I then took mindfulness into the schools. So we ran mindfulness with years 10 to 12 in some girls' high schools, so just females only. And again, I kind of practiced this in lessons over three weeks. And a bit of an opposite pattern was found, actually. So there wasn't any kind of significant effect at the end of the program. However, six months later, there was a significant reduction in weight and shape concerns. So it may be that in the classroom, things are all presented at once and it may be just over time as they kind of go back to it and practice it a little bit, it's more effective. 
And then the third area of application that I've more recently been branching out into is exploring mindfulness in an online format. So without any kind of therapist guidance, can people kind of pick up and learn about mindfulness just by reading about it and having the audio exercises to go with? So unfortunately, the jury's out a bit on that as I haven't yet analysed the results. But interestingly, what we did notice was that the compliance wasn't as good as in our face-to-face program. So there's a little bit of work to be done there about making sure that what we provide is engaging and easily accessible for people and and really encourages them to kind of continue on with it. So the kind of the overall conclusion from that is that it's a promising technique for body image. We can't draw any firm conclusions. These were relatively small scale trials. But I think what it showed is that, you know, it can have some benefit for at least some people and that's enough to keep exploring. Great. Well, that sounds fascinating and some really interesting findings. So I've got two questions for you now. Would you recommend anyone with body image concerns trying mindfulness? And is there anyone that mindfulness doesn't tend to work for? Mm, It's a really good question. It's really important to consider, not just with mindfulness, but with any kind of intervention that you're hoping people will benefit from. Some early research that I did indicated that those that had a higher tendency towards experiencing negative emotions and difficulties with managing those in a, in a healthy and adaptive way were the people who most struggled to engage with mindfulness. However, somewhat paradoxically, they were also the people that experienced the most benefit once they were able to engage. So it seems like it's important to explain the technique well, particularly for people who might experience a lot of negative emotionality. There's also some kind of anecdotal evidence that suggests that some people can feel worse initially. And if you think about body image, one of the kind of common aspects to body image concerns is a tendency to avoid certain thoughts and feelings and whether that's through you know avoiding the thoughts themselves or engaging in certain behaviors to avoid experiencing body image concern or dissatisfaction but mindfulness actually encourages the constant observation of these kinds of things and and so they're kind of learning to become aware of thoughts and feelings that perhaps they'd spent a long time trying to avoid so initially that can be quite aversive for some people and experience a bit of a, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. So I think it's important to understand that and to be clear about that up front with people and if they are experiencing some discomfort initially, to keep pushing on with it a bit further and to see if they can kind of get over that because research would suggest that if you can, there is some benefit to what mindfulness does. What I would say is that for anybody who's a bit unsure about mindfulness or has particularly severe body image concerns, then it's always great to do this alongside a therapist to have that little bit of additional support. Lovely. Those are some great points. So last question, what's next in body image and mindfulness research? Well, there's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As I mentioned, there's only been relatively little amount of research done um, in this field already. So I guess the first point is that we still need larger evaluations, so with with more people and with longer-term follow-up and comparing against existing interventions that we know work. This will really allow us to see whether mindfulness 
is beneficial and, and really how useful it is in comparison to what's already available. I'd also really like to do some more work around actually teasing out the mechanisms of mindfulness, really what are the actual elements that are driving the change, um, so then we can really focus our interventions on those aspects. And also, I'm particularly interested in making sure that what we're developing is actually accessible for people. So being able to disseminate mindfulness in a really user-friendly and easily accessible way, which is, I guess, why I've kind of branched out into the internet, but in that, making sure that what we're doing is still effective. Um, so kind of combining across a lot of those elements to, to kind of progress this forward. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you, Melissa. It's been lovely hearing from you. No worries. Thanks very much, Jen. That was Dr. Melissa Atkinson from CAR talking to Jade. I think it's time for another mindfulness exercise from Fabio. This one is specially tailored for body image concerns and is taken from the Mindfulness Mode, a program Mel developed with her colleague Professor Tracy Wade from Flinders University in Australia. Okay, so shortly we'll run through a mindfulness exercise that's taken from the mindfulness-based intervention applied in a research study by Mel Atkinson, who, who we've heard from, from CAR, and Tracy Wade, uh, based at Flinders University in Australia. So this exercise basically intentionally brings to mind a distressing experience relating to thoughts or feelings about one's body or appearance. In doing so, the idea is to approach it with mindful acceptance and this ability obviously will have been cultivated through the course, but certainly if you feel able and willing to bring such a, an experience to mind, then we can go through it through the guided meditation using the, the breath, mindfulness of breath as an anchor and a sort of safe space to return to. But if at any point during the exercise you do feel that actually it's becoming a little too distressing to, to handle, then you know obviously feel free to stop. And an alternative would be, you know, you could do it with in the presence of a, of a or together with a supportive friend, a family member. And obviously there's absolutely no pressure to do this exercise whatsoever. If you feel like it might just become uh, a bit too much. So the goal of this exercise is to not make yourself feel any better as such, which is a bit of a paradox of uh, mindfulness interventions, but it's an important element of it that it doesn't really work if you go with the mindset of trying to improve your feelings and feel any better. So the idea is just to, to be mindfully aware, moment to moment, be more fully alive in the, the present moment, have a kind of closer relationship with your internal experiences. So for this exercise, it will involve bringing to mind, recalling a, a recent situation, or not so recent if you can't bring anything recent to mind, when you felt distressed about your body or your appearance. So obviously this could be within a social situation or, or not, or at home. Uh, so certainly for myself, I might bring to mind uh, being at a gym and looking in the mirror and, and comparing myself with all these other guys and, and feeling inferior in terms of bodily appearance. Okay, so we'll start now. So just settling into a comfortable position and noticing the touch of your 
body on the chair that you're sitting on or the ground that you're standing on. Just bringing your attention to the breath. And specifically the breath and its sensations in the abdomen. So feeling the sensations with each in-breath and each out-breath. Doing so with mindful acceptance, just allowing the sensations to be as they are, without trying to change them. And now, allowing the focus of your awareness to shift from the breath to the troubling situation related to your body, so bringing it to mind. Just allowing it to be as best you can trying to just directly observe it, observe the qualities of the sensations that it evokes. And just seeing if you can actually approach the sensations that arise in your body as a result. Being mindful of those physical sensations. Deliberately but gently directing your focus of attention to the region of the body where the sensations are the strongest. With a welcoming gesture, with curiosity, with friendliness. And one way to do this might be to imagine breathing into that part of the body where you feel the sensations strongest and breathing out from that region. Exploring the sensations, seeing how they change, how the intensity shifts. Any heat, any coolness, any tightness. Any fluctuation. When you feel ready, bringing your awareness to the thoughts that relate to that experience. And if your mind has wandered away from that experience, as it may well have done, recalling and bringing to mind once again, if you feel able, that difficult experience. Seeing what thoughts arise. Seeing how they come and then they subside just like patterns of weather and not getting drawn in to the meanings and implications of those thoughts what they're telling you just seeing them as mental events as clouds as rain as sun just passing across the sky. And then widening your attention to the whole body. Feeling sensations throughout the body. Feeling sensations on your extremities your skin through the whole body.
bring your awareness to the room, to being back in the room, the space around you. And gently opening your eyes. And it may just be useful now to just notice what that was like, that experience. And just considering the idea of what impact it might have to take a mindful, accepting approach to such experiences in the moment as they occur. Lovely. Sticking with Fabio, one of the mindfulness-based therapies we mentioned earlier is called Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, or ACT. Something that Fabio has been researching with doctors Heidi Williamson and Nick Hooper at CAR. So Nadia is going to talk to him to find out more about ACT and the work he's been involved in. Hi Fabio, so thank you for joining us. Let's start off and you tell me a bit about what ACT is exactly and how is it different to mindfulness-based cognitive therapy? Sure, uh, well thanks for having me. Uh, so acceptance and commitment therapy, or ACT as it's known, uh, it was developed by uh, Stephen Hayes, an American psychologist in the, in the late 90s. Uh, it's one of the third wave behavioural therapies, the second wave being cognitive behavioural therapy and the first wave being more traditional behavioural therapy. MBCT, or Mindfulness-Based Cognitive Therapy, is, is also um, the type of third-wave behavioural therapy. There are differences between the various third-wave therapies, but what they have in common is the use of mindfulness as a therapeutic tool. So ACT sort of takes its name from a key message within the framework, which is to accept what you can't control and to commit to taking action that enriches your life. And to do that, it uses a couple of different components. First being mindfulness, which is cultivated as a tool to manage those sort of painful thoughts and feelings so they have less influence over you and the decisions uh, that you make. And the thing that really separates or defines ACT as being different to MBCT is the involvement of values. So helping people to clarify their own values to give people um, direction in their lives. So a value is considered as being the answer to the question, you know, what's important and meaningful to us? Qualities do we want to embody? Um, how do we want people to remember us? And it sort of describes how we want to behave on an ongoing basis. So an example might be being kind, being ambitious, or helping people. So taking all, all of it together, ACT aims to increase what's called psychological flexibility, which refers to being mindful, and continuing or changing behaviour in such a way that follows one's values. So psychological flexibility is the main mechanism of change in ACT, so that means it's actually what makes people live more fulfilling lives. Okay, great. So the main difference between ACT and mindfulness-based cognitive therapy is to do with values. In essence, yes. I mean, you know, they um, in ACT there are subtle kind of differences in the way that mindfulness is taught and different um, um, emphasis but yeah the, the the kind of key difference is the fact that mindfulness is used as a way to manage 
one's behavior and it is it is based on behavioral therapy to live in a way that's aligned with your values okay so how do you think act can be applied to people with body image concerns uh, well one real strength of act is that it's known as transdiagnostic uh, meaning that it can be basically applied to any condition or even any kind of area of life because it basically holds that the cause of, of suffering comes down to something called experiential um, avoidance, which refers to avoidance of internal state, whether that's um, thoughts or feelings that are difficult and sensations that are difficult, and the desire to sort of get rid of, push out that experience, and that that is what actually causes suffering. So that's something that actually is hypothesized with an act to, to cause suffering, whether it be for a mental health challenge, work stress, uh, or indeed, you know, body dissatisfaction and the associated um, distress that comes with that, and it just requires an intervention. For example, to address the common issues that are experienced by by people who may experience uh, poor body image, and so it's adapted according whether it's a, a workshop or a full, um, a longer kind of individual therapy program or a group therapy. Okay, interesting. So it's just tailored, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, great. And so what does the research say on ACT and body image concerns? Um, yeah, so because it's quite a new, relatively speaking, quite a new therapy, there's very little really. And Catherine Griffith, colleague at CAR, and some colleagues, including myself, we've just submitted a systematic review on the topic, so looking at ACT for body image. And there were, I think there was only four studies that came up in that, so they had to be randomised control trials. And there were other sort of acceptance-based studies that weren't explicitly ACT, but it looks like it's, you know, it's very promising in terms of helping people to increase their quality of life and um, reduce body anxiety and preoccupation with um, weight and shape. So it's really preliminary, but yeah, overall positive, positive suggestions. What's the work that you're currently doing um, on ACT? Yeah, so uh, a really kind of exciting area of research that is is very new is applying ACT to people with a visible difference. So that's typically people who've had a, a health condition that affects their appearance in some ways to make it unusual or different. So yeah, that could be acquired, you know, whether through injury like burns, mm-hmm. um, treatment like uh, cancer treatment or skin conditions or, or congenital such as cleft lip or palate. So we know that psychologists particularly within the UK, we know are using ACT or elements of ACT. For example, in for adolescents and adults with cleft lip or palate. And more locally into Bristol, um, a psychologist called Olivia Donnelly, uh, based at the Outlook mm. service, which is a service specifically for people with an appearance-altering condition, uh, uses ACT as a primary approach. And so we've been working with Olivia to evaluate the ACT approach uh, for that group. Um, and again, really, it, we, we've heard from many psychologists and, and we certainly feel kind of conceptually fit really well because it's again about working towards acceptance uh, of an appearance that can't really be controlled or at least there's very limited control. Obviously, there are you know, often elective uh, surgery options, but it, it may well be that often one's appearance is, is not under a great degree of control and actually trying to control it can be what causes um, so many difficulties with people and using again values to help focus on, on what they want from life 
Um, yeah, so yeah, we are at the early stages of evaluating that intervention. We also are planning to develop other forms of active interventions for people with a visible difference in okay. the near future. Okay, great. So, so the aim of that intervention is to help people with visible difference accept their appearance. Yeah, and, and to be fair, what I should have said actually as well is that many people with a visible difference don't need any support. They just, you know, they're absolutely fine. Um, mm-hmm. But there are some as well who who are, who do struggle with social anxiety, social mm-hmm. inclusion, um, yeah, body image difficulties, and um, self esteem and, and quality of life um, issues as well. Um, because of you know, it can be quite challenging for some mm-hmm. people to to face. They might face un unsolicited questioning, um, staring, all kinds of things that sure. um, many people may not have to deal with. Um, so yeah, so the, the so for example, Olivia Donnelly's service is for people who have difficulties that relate to their appearance. Um, okay. So it's not just that I'm saying everyone yeah, <laughs> who has sure. an so appearance needs support. Yeah. It's targeted. Okay, mm-hmm. thanks for clarifying. Okay, so I want to actually go back to values. We mentioned it at the beginning, and that's mm-hmm. what and the values is the, the kind of the main difference between ACT therapy and the mindfulness-based cognitive approach. Sure. So what if someone tells you that one of their values is to have a great body? What mm-hmm. happens then with ACT therapy? Yeah, it's a really good question. And yeah, it sort of comes down to really clarifying what's meant by values, because that's an absolutely understandable position to take and, and a query to have. The distinction just needs to be clarified between values and goals. So value being something that you can actually do on an ongoing basis that sort of guides your decisions. Uh, Whereas a goal, like, for example, having a great body, describes something that you actually want to achieve, so an end point only, really. You, You might hold a value of maintaining health and fitness, and you'd use that to guide behavior or you know decisions uh, at any point so it might be when you're looking at the you open the fridge and deciding what to eat Uh, or you might come home after a hard day's work and have an intention to go to the gym you might be really knackered and if you've got a value of maintaining health and fitness um, then you know if you are actually if your body is in need of a rest then that value will guide you in a healthy direction maybe you'll you'll just you'll recognize actually i need to stay in and rest whereas if you kind of blinkered by a goal of you know i've got a I've, I've got to um have a great body then i think people are more prone to just following unhealthy behavior so just mm-hmm. go to the gym regardless of you, you know if you do need a rest okay perfect thank you so much for joining us fabio very interesting talking to you no problem at all thanks Nelly. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our first episode of 2017. Remember, if you're interested in hearing more about the work that we do here at the Centre for Appearance Research, please check out our website at www.uwe.ac.uk forward slash car. You can also tweet at us at car underscore uwe or find us on Facebook. We hope you enjoyed this mindfulness episode and found it useful. Please do share it with anyone you think might be interested or find it helpful. And join us next time when we're going to be talking about skin colour and global beauty ideals. Woo! Bye! Bye!